Hello, and welcome to the Tour Easy podcast, where we discover some of the amazing places, people, and experiences which you can enjoy on your next Tour Easy trip. I'm Jed Brown, your host for this week's episode, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Matthew Coulter from the Historic Royal Palaces. Historic Royal Palaces is an independent charity which cares for six royal palaces. In essence, the organisation comprises of a team of people who love and look after six of the most wonderful palaces in the world. They create space for spirits to stir and be stirred. They want everyone to feel welcome and accepted. They tell stories about the monarchs you know and the lives you don't. They let people explore and set minds racing. Today, Matt is going to provide us with an overview of the palaces and let us know what's going on at each one, which will make them well worth a visit with TourEasy this year. Enjoy. So, Matt, you are most welcome to the TourEasy podcast. It's great to have you on the show. How are you? Thank you, Jed. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm uh, I'm doing very well, sat in the Tower of London, and I can't think of many more places to be in, uh, better places to be in the morning. Absolutely not. Um, I take it you're there by choice. You haven't been locked away, have you? No, no. Uh, unlike some of our previous occupants, I have the uh, yeah the freedom to come and go as I please. Nice, nice. Very good. Well, listen, it's it's great to have you on the show, and it's it's really great to be talking about the historic royal palaces, and um, which you're going to be telling us all about today. Um, obviously, there are Tories. You have quite a few. Um, trips which take in some of the fabulous historic royal palaces. But just to start us off, why don't you give us a, an overview to the, the organisation, which is Historic Royal Palaces, and then we'll get into um, which are the palaces which you, you represent. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so Historic Royal Palaces are an independent charity. Uh, we've been operating for just over 20 years now, and we um, are responsible for the management and the uh, the upkeep of six of the most historical properties throughout the UK and Ireland. Very good, very good. Um, so, t- talk, talk, talk us through the talk us through the palaces which which you've got. I mean, I'm, I've got them here in front of me on the screen, and I've been looking at the um, at the website. And again, for all of our listeners out there, it's hrp.org.uk, and we'll obviously include that in the in the link descriptions at the at the end of the podcast. Um, but talk us through some of these fabulous palaces. I mean, starting off with the Tower of London. Um, I mean, that's probably one of the most iconic buildings and pieces of cultural heritage our country has, right? Well, absolutely. The tower is by far our, our most well-known uh, property that we manage. It's um, there's there's no better place to start when it comes to history, uh, dating back nearly a thousand years now of history from uh, from the beginning of the, the Norman que- conquest of Britain. Uh, it's been used as a as a palace, as a fortress, as a prison, and then uh, up to the present day now as a uh, tourist attraction and home of the famous crown jewels, of course got to be one of the most visited attractions i would have thought in um, certainly in london um if not the rest of the country um tell us a little bit about you know so again for, for anybody out there and i'm going to include myself and i'm embarrassed about this matt um and i've said this on a few of the podcasts that we've had i get the the enviable job of speaking to people about some of the wonderful destinations and attractions um on on our islands um, and I haven't been to an awful lot of them. And I've been to London so many times on business, and I'm really embarrassed to say I've never been to the Tower of London. What's what what's um what do people experience when they go to the Tower of London? What's the main reason that they attend? Why do they go? 
Well, so what, what makes it so unique uh, about the Tower of London and also the way historical palaces manage uh, the Tower of London is bringing the stories to life. So whether that be by taking a uh, one of our famous human warder or more commonly known as the Beefeater tours, uh, which take you right throughout the history, uh, the thousand years of history and its uses, um, all the way to, uh, to the modern day uh, interpretation, the costumed interpreters who we have placed throughout the tower. Uh, though that is the main emphasis of what we're trying to do here is, is bring those historic stories. And there are many of those historic stories to life. Fair play. Um, you have um, guarding the tower. Are, are there still yeoman warders guarding the tower? Absolutely. Absolutely. Although uh, they might be a bit embarrassed for me to say, but their jobs these days are, uh, are more ceremonial purposes. Yeah. Um, but very much first and forth, their duty is to protect the Tower of London, Her Majesty and Her Majesty's crown jewels. Fantastic. I think that's just tremendous. And just before we leave the, the Tower of London, um, tell us a little bit, again, for anybody out there that isn't familiar with um, the, the story of the ravens at the Tower of London. Tell us a little bit about why, why are ravens significant for the Tower of London? Well, so, um, so the, the legend has it um, that should the, ta- should the ravens ever leave the tower, then the, the kingdom will fall. No one really knows exactly where this legend comes from, but they believe it dates back to the time of um, around George I, mm-hmm. who uh, we believe was trying to or being persuaded to get rid of the ravens from the tower. And, uh, and thankfully for us and for our visitors, he was persuaded otherwise. Very good. So you still have ravens at the tower today? We do. We do. Um, I can't remember the exact number of them. Uh, I'm sure Raven Master Chris Scaife would, uh, would be scathing at me for not remembering the number, but they very much still frequent the tower and they are free to roam around. So, um, so if you are visiting, be careful of your uh, fish and ships. Yeah, fair play, absolutely. <laughs> um, we move then on to um, Hampton Court Palace. Um, t- again, tell us a little bit about Hampton Court Palace. Again, I'm familiar with Hampton Court Palace, although I have never visited myself. Um, what? Tell us about. Give us an overview to Hampton Court Palace, and then tell us what um, you know. Again, what there is there for people to experience. Yeah, so Hampton Court is most famous for its most famous resident, which was Henry VIII. He, uh, he inherited the building, inherited with, um, with uh, quest- quotation marks over it, as he um, more so took it by force from uh, Cardinal Wolsey. That was, that was his expanded. way, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it will, very much so. It would take a brave man or, or woman to stand in his way. But uh, So after, after taking the palace, he, he um, took it for a series of renovations and really created his pleasure palace, as, as he referred to it. So this is where he would come to, to go hunting, to go fishing, and also just to, to enjoy the splendours of life, uh, including jousting. Uh, which which we do still try to recreate to this day at the palace. Um, so what what we have now is um, is two palaces in one effectively. So we have the the very original Tudor side of the building, complete with the original Tudor kitchens, and then on the other side of the building we have uh, the, the Georgian period, uh, which was um, renovated by Queen Mary and uh, and King William of Orange. They took on a series of renovations to try and convert the whole palace into a new uh, modern European style palace. Now, fortunately for us, um, William died 
and it left us with uh, the two palaces and one which we have today. That's incredible. And of course, you know, apart from the the sort of the the two palaces in one, um, with with all of, I'm sure there's an awful lot of artwork in there, um, which is just must be out of this world and and very very ancient as well. Um, but there's also um, a great sort of garden um, area around as well, huge expansive gardens around the palace as well, right? We do. We're, we're very proud of our, our, of our gardens. Uh, we have over 50 acres of gardens throughout the property, um, from the Royal Privy Garden to, uh, to even the Ancient Maze, which is the, the oldest hedge maze uh, in the world. Tremendous. And um, the visitors are allowed into the maze uh, if they can find their way out? <laughs> they're allowed in they're sometimes not allowed out but uh, right. but that's more by choice <laughs> <laughs> tremendous um then we move on to um the next palace that um that you look after is kensington palace um again tell us a little bit about kensington palace yeah so so kensington palace is is still well known today for for still being a rural resident mm. um residence and we managed the uh, the older the state rooms, which were famous for being the childhood home of Queen Victoria. And it's a, it's a fantastic space that we can use uh, to bring history to life through our exhibitions, uh, which we'll touch more on in a bit. Uh, but Kensington Palace has that rural connection. The uh, the visitors feel that recent history as well as the ancient one as well, uh, whether that be the the newly uh, appointed statue of Princess Diana. Um, which is located around where you sh she used to go rollerblading, even around the gardens there. Um. <laughs> Lovely. So it's a real, um, it's a real sort of bridge between old and new, really. I suppose Kensington Palace. It is. It is indeed, and and that's something we certainly try to replicate as well. The relationship between the the past and present uh, through our exhibitions. Fabulous, fabulous. Um, Hillsborough Castle and Gardens. Um, we don't need to touch on too much because. We recorded a podcast with the wonderful Alan Greer, um, who uh, is based over in Northern Ireland. Um, and he talked us through all about Hillsborough Gardens, um, Hillsborough Castle and Gardens. Um, so we can kind of leave that for now. And I would just say to our listeners, if you want to learn more about Hillsborough Castle and Gardens, and it's well worth listening to, I can assure you, um, then do listen to that podcast. You can find it um, on our website as well as the usual channels. And then we move on to Q Palace. Yeah, Q Palace. It's um, Q, Q Palace is a fascinating, intimate palace uh, located within Q Gardens, and it's most famous for being the home of uh, of George III, who was commonly known as the Mad King, oh, yes. and and his wife and their sixteen children. Um, sixteen so would be sixteen. So uh, if you, if you've ever visited Q Palace, you'll um, you'll know how much of a tight squeeze that must have been back in the day. Yeah. It, uh, it used to form part of a larger area um the q palace as it is today was known as the dutch house and there used to be a much larger property just alongside it uh that wasn't liked as much uh, so king george iii decided to frequent the dutch house and it very much is as it was then today uh, a very intimate um you can really see into the mind of the one who was known as the commonly known as the mad king yeah, it's very different. I've got I'm, again. I'm looking at it on the on the website. It's a very different looking palace to all of the others. Um, and when you say it was known as the, the 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 Dutch Palace or the Dutch House, I kind of get that because it does look like those terraced 
tall houses that you have in um, that you can see in Amsterdam and certainly in old Amsterdam it does have that look about it very much but certainly very different from the other palaces indeed yeah I think the uh, the salmony orange color as well probably yeah. uh, hints towards the name yeah, absolutely <laughs> tremendous so um so that's the palaces that you guys look after um as part of the charity um now obviously we're coming off the back of um a very hard two years for everybody and I'm sure it's been it's been tough for you guys as well and it's interesting we, we always talk about um you know the the effect of tourism you know not only on the tourists you know because we all love to travel and explore these destinations um but it's really hard in terms of you know tourism can protect and preserve cultural heritage you know the tourism money um and that must have been quite hard for historic royal palaces over the past two years. How, how has that affected you, actually, just while we're on that? Uh, greatly so. Um, so uh, uh, much of the, uh, the income that we receive um, to, in order to renovate and, and upkeep uh, these famous old buildings, which I'm sure you can imagine there's, there's a lot of upkeep when it comes to managing uh, five, six hundred, seven-year-old properties. Mm. So as soon as we lost that, that visitor revenue, um, it, it did mean that uh, that tough decisions had to be made across the palaces, um, but that is something that we're trying to uh, trying to bring back to life now, trying to celebrate and uh, and hopefully draw those visitors in with some of the fantastic plans that we have. Yeah, and, and let's you know let's get let's get onto those now. So um, obviously, all of your palaces are going to be um, open for the public uh, this year at different times. Um, and you've got a lot of activities going on at each of the palaces. Um, why don't you run through with us some of the some of the highlights uh, for this year that people need to um, look out for, and if there's any sort of certain key festivals or dates or events that that people might be interested in? Absolutely. So, um, so being 2022, uh, we have to of course start with our major event of the year, which is Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee celebration. And we will be celebrating that in, in full force here at the Tower of London and across all of the palaces. But however, the main emphasis will be here at the Tower with our project called Superbloom, uh, which is going to, in effect, flood the, the famous moat of the Tower uh, with over 20 million carefully planted seeds to create this floral uh, mismatch of colours, uh, which will encompass the whole of the moat. Oh wow, that's going to be absolutely fabulous! And um, when's that likely to? When, when does that sort of start? When is it? When are they likely to be in bloom? Do we know? <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully they'll be in bloom for the start of the exhibition, uh, because I'm not, I'm not sure how uh, entertaining it might be trudging through <laughs> uh, through some muddy circles around the pit, <laughs> the pit of the moat. Yeah. Um, but we are aiming for the first of June, which will um, come in line with the, the Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee weekend. Yeah. So we'll start on the 1st of June and run all the way through until the 18th of September. Fabulous. What a what a wonderful uh, tribute for Her Majesty um, and, and wonderful for, for anybody that's able to, to get down to the Tower of London and experience it for themselves. Um, what else do we have? So um, just keeping on the theme of, uh, of Superbloom as well, as, mm. uh, as we're really with this trying to, uh, to emphasise uh, not only uh, the celebration of Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee, but also uh, the need for biodiversity in the centre of London more than ever. Mm. Um, so the the design is, uh, the Superbloom is designed to attract bees, it's designed to attract pollinators and seed-eating birds, 
um, not too different from the uh, the food stealing ravens, uh, although hopefully a bit better for the environment. Um, so we are looking to uh, to continue that longevity from the super bloom into a more permanent feature, which uh, of course we'll announce any plans of shortly. Lovely, fabulous, fabulous. Um, then on to um, Hampton Court Palace. Is there anything going on at Hampton Court Palace? There is, of course, something going on at Hampton Court Palace this year. There's lots going on at all of your palaces. Uh, tell us what's going on this year. What can we expect? Yeah, there's there's always something going on at Hampton Court Palace, whether that's jousts or Tudor feasts or or anything historically uh, accurate. Then, um, but the big one of the big events we have this year, it's actually a second running, is our Tulip Festival. So it's coming up very soon, actually, on the 15th of April, uh, and it will run through to the 2nd of May. Um, and this is really fitting for Hampton Court Palace, as the palace itself has, has always had a, a very strong relationship with tulips. Uh, Queen Mary II and, and King William, who we've uh, already touched upon, uh, they were very keen horticulturalists and, uh, and actually developed the tulips uh, within, within the gardens of the palace. So we're very much continuing with that theme. Um, with pl- the gardeners have been busy planting uh, over 110,000 bulbs throughout the palace and the gardens, and we'll arrange those into displays in the in the courtyards, in the fountain courtyard, um, and all throughout the gardens. That oh, sounds absolutely wonderful. It'll be a real festival of, of colour, I'm quite sure. Uh, so that's running the April 15th, uh, roughly until May the 2nd. So quite a short window. So again, um, we'd encourage everybody to... Um, to get booked up um, and to get down there to see that. Um, I see that you've also got um, an Easter lint gold bunny hunt um, on April the 2nd to April the 18th, which just caught my fancy because I'm a big chocolate fan. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something that we uh, we operate annually now across the palaces. Uh, so, yeah, def- definitely one to bring your, if it's families with kids looking yeah. to uh, to keep them happy, that's definitely one to look out for. Fabulous. Um, and then you can also see here Platinum Jubilee blooms uh, from June the 1st, um, roughly till September as well. Yes. So um, so similar to the Super Bloom, although down downscaled slightly, um, we, we will have floral displays and tributes um, carefully as well designed to to fit in with the, uh, the nature and biodiversity of each unique um, location. So we'll, we'll be having that across all of the palaces throughout the summer. Fabulous. Um, on to Kensington Palace, something which caught my eye um, and I didn't get a chance to, to read up on it, but that's why we have you here so you can tell us all about it. Um, Life through a royal lens. Uh, March the 4th to October the 30th. Tell us, what's that about? So so Life for a Royal Lens is really going to explore the, the British royal family's enduring relationship with the camera. Mm-hmm. So how it was really pioneered by Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. He, he was in, incredibly enthusiastic for, for modern technology and, uh, and photography and how they could really use that to portray their image to the public. Mm-hmm. So the display will go um, into great detail, actually, um, with artefacts such as uh, Queen Victoria's negatives, her own private negatives of Prince Albert, which she used to carry 
around with her, all the way through to uh, to the more adventurous and, and liberal um, uh, Anthony Armstrong Jones and his uh, photography with Princess Margaret, including that famous one, which people know of, of uh, Princess Margaret sat in the bathtub with her tiara on. Um, and then all the way through to the modern day rules and, and how they've taken photography, continuing with the theme of, um, you will see that, that lineage throughout the whole display from from past to present however you also see how the modern day rules have taken that to a next level with uh using instagram and snapchat and uh and other other modern technologies fabulous fabulous and of course you've got the platinum jubilee blooms um at kensington palace as well and um the lint gold bunny hunt um as well in in april i can see um and again with with all of these we'll um we'll put all of the um, all of the different sort of festivals and events, we'll put them on the description for the podcast so that our listeners can um, can have a look for themselves and see what's going on at the dates when when they're planning them. Um, but before we before we wrap up on this, um, at Kew Palace, um, there's the opportunity to climb the 18th century Great Pagoda from April the 1st to September the 25th. Um, tell us a little bit about the Great Pagoda. And, um, and and what's the climb like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't advise it on a full stomach, that's for sure. Right, really? It, it, it really is as high as it sounds. Um, and where it is located within Kew Gardens and, and in West London, um, you, it, it is it was 200 years ago when it was first built all the way through to the modern day, uh, one of the best views you can get in West London. That sounds absolutely it, fabulous. <laughs> Superb. Um, so that's a little bit about what's going on at the palaces. Um, absolutely loads. And there's, there's lots more than we've just described, I can tell our listeners as well. Um, and like I say, we'll, we'll pop that on the, on the podcast description. Um, but before we go, something that we spoke about with, um, with Alan um, at Hillsborough, and he was telling me that um, Historic Royal Palace is um, really, really passionate about um, sustainability. Um, quite rightly so. And I think we, we all should be passionate about sustainability in some way, shape or form. But um, he said to me that I should speak to you about the sustainability action plan, which historic royal palaces um, have got in place. So could you just give us a little bit of an overview as to what is the sustainability action plan for historic royal palaces? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, so first of all, we, ha we have a, um, a net carbon zero target uh, to reach net carbon zero by 2050. Of course, if we can achieve that any sooner, then, then that's absolutely the goal. That's the rough time frame we've given ourselves to work with. Um, so some of the ways we're, we're looking to achieve that is by um, having promoting electric car charging points. We're, um, we've already installed some at Hillsborough Castle. Yeah. Um, we're currently in the phase, I'm sure Alan touched on this with you. Um, we're, we're also looking uh, to install some and beginning the first installation stages at the Tower of London. Mm -hmm. um, likewise with, with Hampton Court Palace as well. I'm really promoting at Hampton Court Palace the uses of coaches, um, which although Many people uh, may think coaches are these great big gas guzzling things. Um, the, uh, the, the environmental benefits to, to bringing people to these locations on a much more eco-sustainable basis uh, is, is a main emphasis of ours. So that's certainly something we're looking to promote. Um, we've also uh, been 
busy with the bees, uh, installing bee, bee hives at Hillsborough Castle. Uh, we're also in the first stages of investigating that possibility at Hampton Court. Um, hopefully the super bloom will, will help to naturally attract some already to the palaces. Sure. Um, <laughs> so those those are just some of the things. Uh, there's there's a great big long list of, of things I could rattle off, but of course the um, yeah the journey starts now, and and we're always looking to incrementally increase our efforts. Yeah, I think that's the it's true of everybody. Certainly, you know, here at Tories, obviously we're the you know we're the UK's um, first uh, carbon neutral uh, coach holiday company, uh, which we're we're really proud of, and obviously sustainability is. Um, one of our one of our pillars, um, I suppose, apart from anything else, and um, so it's hugely important for us, and it's it's wonderful to to have uh, partners in destinations and attractions like historic royal palaces who are equally as passionate about sustainability. So, I think that's um, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, Matt, we are approaching the end of our short podcast to give people an introduction to historic royal palaces, um, but hopefully that has helps our listeners to understand and have a little bit of an overview um, as to what historic royal palaces do and the properties that they manage and um, as well give them a little bit of an idea of some of the attractions uh, which they can which they can join in and get involved in um, in 2022. But I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us on the Tour Easy podcast. Um, it's been absolutely fascinating and I would urge all of our listeners out there to go to hrp.org.uk um, and find out a little bit more more for themselves and then of course book to come away uh, with Tour Easy and, and do it all the responsible and sustainable way. Eh? It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Jed. Thanks a million, Matt. Take good care. So there you have it. Huge thanks again to Matt for sharing his passion and knowledge of these fabulous palaces with us today. And if you'd like to experience any of the palaces featured today for yourself this year, visit toureasy.co.uk where you'll find a huge variety of wonderful tours which will be sure to ignite your wanderlust. We're working hard at developing many more new tours around the UK and Ireland, and if you'd like to be kept informed as to our latest departures, then please do sign up to receive our updates on toureasy.co.uk. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram too. But that's our show for today. Thanks so much for your company this week, and we look forward to seeing you on your next trip with Toureasy, the UK's first carbon neutral coach holiday company where your travel never costs the earth.